Hi, and welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. This week, Pastor Scott Smith starts his new series on love and relationships. This series will focus not only on romantic relationships, but also on how we can be a more loving, forgiving, and Christ-like person in all of our relationships. We hope this podcast will be a blessing to you and will stir you to love, faith, and good works. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we are going to begin a new series this morning, and we're going to talk about uh, love and relationships. Woo, right? Now, before some of you check out because you say, well, pastor, I'm not in a relationship or I'm single or what have you, um, we're going to talk about relationships and love, but we're not going to talk just about marriage. We'll talk some about marriage. We'll talk some about romantic relationships, and uh, we'll talk about how to have uh, good relationships there. But this series is going to be so much more than just about marriage or just about romantic relationships. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about our relationships at work. We're going to talk about our relationships at church. What we're going to say is going to apply in so many different areas of our life, and uh, starting with today. Now, um, we do have a time where we're going to talk specifically about marriage, and we're going to do some of that throughout this series. But as I've, I've been mentioning this the past couple of weeks, if you are married, if you're thinking about getting married, um, March 4th, Friday night, March 4th, I want you to put that down. Um, we got some um, details on the little bulletin sheets as you came in. You can grab one of those. If you didn't on the way in, grab one on the way out. And we'll have some special flyers next week for you to take and invite others to be a part of that. But we're going to kind of uh, transform the sanctuary on March 4th and set, set it up and just have a, a, a nice meal, dinner together. And we're going to have some fun together and we're going to learn and grow about marriage on that night. That's going to kind of wrap up this series and so forth. But today we're going to begin by talking about relationships. Um, you know, we often think that the difference between a good relationship and a bad relationship revolves around whether you connect with somebody or not, um, whether, you, wh- wh- whether you have something in common or not, or whether you click with another person, or whether they are, maybe if it is a romantic relationship, whether they are the right person, if it's God's person for me. Now, we talk about relationships, there's no doubt that sometimes people just click, right? If you've been in a relationship before, you've met somebody, and man, your interests and their interests are the same, and your personality and their personality, and it just clicks, and things seem to work, and you just hit it off. There's no doubt that that happens, right? However, I don't believe that those are the only relationships that can be good. In other words, I don't believe that if you don't click, your relationship can't be good. And I don't believe that if two people don't click, their relationship is destined to be bad. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a relationship or a friendship that when it started out, you really didn't like that person? However, over a long period of time, you became really good friends. Can I get a show of hands? Anybody ever had a relationship like that? Okay. You've had a relationship like that where it started out and you maybe just didn't like this person at all. But over time, whether maybe it's some, somebody at work that you were forced to work with for years and you started out, you really didn't like them. But over time, you grew to love them and like them. 
Uh, maybe, maybe it was... Uh, uh, maybe it was at school. Maybe it was a college roommate. My wife had that experience. Um, and believe it or not, it wasn't somebody that she didn't like. The other person didn't like her. Go figure. I know, right? Right. They judged her without knowing her. And as Laura's testimony goes, she had to make that person be her friend. <laughs> and to this day, they are very close friends. I've got people in my life like that, that... You know, at one time, I, they, they, we were, it, it was just difficult. I didn't, even, I didn't even like them. And it was, may, listen, maybe some people in your family are like that, right? If they weren't in your family, <laughs> you wouldn't give them the time of day, right? Some of y'all are laughing a little too hard on that one. Um, but because you are related to them and because you've had to spend time with them, you've grown to love them very much. The reality is that many times we are very, very close to people that are very, very different than us, to people who have different backgrounds than we do, that have different interests than we do. But because we are forced to spend time with them, or maybe because we're related to them, um, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even hang out with them. But because of that, we've grown very fond of them. The point is this, friends, that it happens and that good relationships can flourish despite differences in personality, despite differences in background, despite differences in interests, despite not clicking at first, and even despite other challenges that may come along the way. Good relationships ought to characterize our lives. You can have good relationships. The question is, how? Where does it start, right? Um, where do good relationships begin? So if you've got your outline this morning, I want you to take your outline. Mr. Conley, what am I, what, what am I doing that is, I'm hearing a little something that's probably bugging y'all. Okay, move it this. Okay, is that better? All right, let's see if that, that does a little better with this. Okay, I was hearing a little something. It sounded like I had some wind blowing behind me. So hopefully that takes care of it. Take your outline this morning, all right? Let's talk about this. Where do good relationships, it's not, it's not, something's still happening, isn't it? I don't know what's going on here. All right. Well, y'all are going to have to put up with me, all right? Here we go. Where do good relationships begin, number one? Number one, good relationships begin with us. Good relationships begin with us. Here's the problem. When we have a bad relationship, in, in fact, I don't know many people who say, you know what, Pastor, I have a bad relationship here, and it's all my fault. <laughs> we, what, who do we normally blame? It's the other person's fault. They're a jerk. They don't like me. They treat me bad. Friends, but the reality is good relationships begin with us. Look at Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 12. Now, where Paul, uh, we're picking up here in verse 12 where Paul has been confronting legalism in the churches in Galatia. Um, there were some false teachers who had come into the churches of Galatia. And they were teaching that not only did you have to trust in Christ for salvation, but you also had to, um, you, you had to take on many of the Jewish 
laws, the dietary laws. That they were saying that people had to be, that men had to be circumcised. And so that they were adding these law aspects to grace. And so Paul here was countering that, and much of the book of Galatians is about that. But in this, evidently, this theological fight that was going on in the churches of Galatia between law and grace was causing a rift in the fellowship in those churches. Look at verse 12. So we pick up kind of in the middle uh, where Paul's kind of turning from talking about the legalism, and some of this still applies to legalism and gives us uh, kind of the foundation for what we should live out of, not law, but grace. But look at what he says in verse 12. He says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Now, um, Paul here uses a very graphic word picture to simply say, we won't get into all of that, but to simply say, I wish those who are troubling you wouldn't do what they're they're doing. I I wish that they would stop. I I wish I could stop them. Let me pause here for just a minute. When we're in a bad relationship and somebody else is troubling us, don't we wish we could stop them? Can I get a witness? Amen? Absolutely. Wish we could stop their foolishness. And sometimes that's exactly, sometimes they are a main instigator or maybe the instigator in the problem, in the problem, in the relationship. I wish I could stop them. Wish I could do something about them. Can I just reality check with everybody? You can't. You can't. Some of you have tried for years to, to, to control and, and manipulate somebody else. It doesn't work. You can't do it. In fact, generally speaking, when you try, they tend to dig in their heels stronger. So what's the solution? What does Paul say? Paul says, I wish that uh, those who trouble you would would." I could just cut them all. Wish they, wish they would cut themselves off. But what does he say? For you, brethren, verse 13, for you, brethren, for who? You, brethren, have been called to liberty or freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, Paul's kind of changing the argument here just a little bit, just tweaking it just ever so slightly. And he's been talking about law and grace. He's talking about living out of the freedom that we have in Christ. But he says here, just because you're free in Christ doesn't give you a license to treat people however you want to treat them, even when they're in the wrong. He says, but through what? Love, serve one another. But through love, serve one another. So what he's saying here to them is even these people who are in the wrong, who are false teachers, who are treating them bad, and probably some others that have always, there's always some others that get dragged into the into the into the conversation right he says stop treating bad but love them verse 14 for all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this you shall what love your neighbor as yourself now we're going to talk about this in a lot greater detail in a couple of weeks but this is really the basis of our actions should be amen we need to love others as ourselves. For all the law is summed up. In other words, if we love others, we won't kill them, generally speaking, right? If we love them, we're not going to steal from them. If we love them, we're not going to lie to them. 
Okay, so all the law is summed up in that one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Paul here uses words that, uh, that describe animal-like behavior. I mean, it's almost like he's talking about a dog fight, right? If you bite and devour one another, somebody's treating you bad and you bite their head off, what are you going to do? He says, You're, you, lest you be consumed by one another. The key point here is, who's he talking to? Is he talking to the, the, the ones who are causing the, the problem? No, he's talking to the, the believers in the churches of Galatia. He's talking to the believers. He's talking to us. Friends, we want to try to change other people's actions. And sure, in a perfect world, would that help? Absolutely. But you can't. The only person you can control is whom? It's us. It's you. We can only control ourselves. Um, you're familiar with this verse, uh, a parallel passage in Romans chapter 12. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, if it's possible... As much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. So what is our responsibility in relationships? It is to live peaceably with all people. In a relationship, we cannot control the other person or how the other person acts towards us. The only thing we can control is how we act. We control. We can choose whether we're going to act nice or mean. We choose whether we're going to be kind or rude. We choose whether we are going to be loving or spiteful. You say, but pastor, what if they're nasty and mean and ugly to me? That's the point. The point is you can't control them. All you can control is you. And how does Jesus tell us to act even when people abuse us and misuse us and, 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 and hate us? Love your enemies. In fact, he tells them, you know, if they take something from you, give it to them, right? And, and go the extra mile with them. So, friends, if somebody swings at you, you can't control that. But what can you control? Whether you swing back. If somebody lashes out at you, somebody says something ugly, mean, or hurtful to you, you can't control that. But what can you control? What, what you say back. Let me take this one step further. Pastor Brandon is going to appreciate this. You know what? You can't control if somebody blesses you out on social media. But you know what you can control? How you respond and what you say back. Listen, I'm not trying to say that, and, and as we talk about friendships, as we talk about relationships, I'm not trying to say that you can be besties with everybody. <laughs> Okay, You're not going to be best friends with everybody. But what I am trying to say is Jesus expects us to be civil. Jesus expects us to be more than civil. We can control how we treat others. Friends, good relationships begin with us. Now, in order to understand how we need to act and some of the difficulties in that, I believe it leads us to number two. Leads us to the second truth which we need to understand in order to have good relationships, and that is this, friends. There is a battle going on inside of us. 
there is a battle going on inside of us. In other words, when somebody treats you mean, ugly, nasty, whatever way, shape, or form, somebody is ugly to you, what's our natural response? What do we, what do we want to do? <clears throat> right? We want to lash out at them, whether it's verbally or otherwise. We want to get, get back at them. That's our natural reaction. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, as we read just a minute ago, says this. says, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So what happens when you bite and devour one another, when you lash back, they lash back and you lash back, and what's going to stop it? You just consume each other and things escalate. Here's what Paul says, verse 16. He now tells us then how to get beyond that. It says, I say then, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. He says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, friends, there's a battle going on inside each and every one of us. Um, especially as Christians. Friends, when we get saved, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then your soul becomes well with the Lord, amen? When that happens, we get a gift. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and God places His Spirit inside of us, and His Spirit comes to live inside of us, to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. Everybody say amen. Amen. We're grateful for that. Hallelujah. However, just because we are saved and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us doesn't mean we don't still deal with the mess that comes from living in these fleshly bodies. What does Paul mean when he says the flesh? He's talking about our, our physical bodies. There are certain desires. There are certain um, impulses that our physical bodies have, um, and and some even delve beyond the the physical to uh, emotional, and so even though we are saved and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, there is this this yet unredeemed fleshly uh, humanness with all its desires and lusts that still pull on us, and so. Even after we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to lead us and guide us, and we are supposed to listen to him. But we also have these fleshly desires that of, of revenge, and when somebody wrongs us, that, ugh, you know, we have that living inside us. So there's a war going on inside of us, and the flesh wants what it wants, right, to please the flesh, and the Spirit wants what he wants for us to walk in him. And so there's a battle going on as to which one we will obey. An old Indian chief uh, or proverb described it like this. He said, there are two wolves inside of each of us, one bad and one good. They will be in continual conflict as long as we live. Um, There's a tug of war going on inside of us. And friends, the reality is uh, that is particularly true in relationships. In relationships, our tendency, our impulse is to be when somebody is unkind to us it's to be unkind to them right 
That's our tendency. That's our impulse. Listen, when someone at work snaps at you, uh, why, why didn't you give me that report earlier? What's our tendency? Our tendency is, you know, to snap back, whatever that might be. Um, when, when our parents, when our teenager is snarky to us, what's our tendency? Our tendency is to be snarky back, right? Teenager, when your parent maybe loses their cool a little bit, what's the tendency? The tendency is to lose your cool back. Um, it happens in marriage, right? When, when frustration builds in our marriage, what's our tendency? Our tendency is to lash out. And here's the problem. The problem is that the closer we are to somebody, for some unknown reason, the more free we feel to just, right? To spill all the ugliness on them. And, and the, so our tendency is to lash out, friends. But what we need to realize is what happens when we do that? What happens when somebody's mean, ugly, and nasty to you and you lash back? Do they usually say, oh, you know what? You're right. I had it coming. <laughs> and it stops right there, right? No. They've already proven that they're acting in the flesh, whoever they are. So if you act in the flesh... Guess what you're provoking? You're provoking, provoking a war that can escalate instead of being diffused. Proverbs, this is not up on your screen, but Proverbs 15.1 says this, and many of you know this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How, do we want, how, how should we act to diffuse a situation? A soft answer. A harsh word stirs it up. Okay? That leads us right into number three because here's what we need to realize, friends. Relationship problems come from acting in the flesh. We want to have good relationships, right? I believe everybody in here, nobody's good. I don't, very few people, and I know I have known a few people that it, their demeanor tells me that they don't want any good relationships, but not most people. Okay? Most people want good relationships, but they don't realize that they oftentimes are the cause of the bad parts. But relationship problems come from acting in the flesh. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 19. So in talking about our flesh and our spirit, Paul says here in verse 19, so how do we know if we're acting in the flesh? Here's what he says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are plainly seen, which are. Then he begins a list. Now, I don't believe this list is exhaustive. This, doesn't, this doesn't, list doesn't include all the works of the flesh. I'm sure we can figure out how to sin in some other ways. Amen? But um, he covers a lot of different categories here. Look at what he says. He says, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Now, let's just stop there. All of those, um, go back to verse 19. All of those, sexual sin, right? Sexual sin of, of some, some sort. And uh, moral sins, uh, uh, lewdness or lasciviousness, um, uh, lack of restraint. Friends, all of these things can cause relationship problems, right? I think adultery is going to cause some relationship problems, Amen. Fornication, 
which, which is from our, the root word uh, that we get the word pornography from. It's the root word pornea, right? It's, it's talking about various and sundry kinds of sexual sin. Um, those th- th- sexual sin causes problems in relationships. Um, for, fornication includes sex before marriage. Some say, well, if I love somebody, then whatever. Listen, God intended marriage to be between a man and a woman after they are married. And sex in any other format is going to cause problems in relationships. Those problems may not arise immediately, but they will. Whether it is uh, pregnancy outside of wedlock, which then goes on to cause all sorts of other problems, relationship problems, um, or whether it is just interpersonal relationships caused by those dynamics that people aren't ready because they're not in a commitment to each other yet. There are all sorts of relationship problems that are caused from doing what? From acting in the flesh. These are works of the flesh. Let's go on. Look at verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery. Now, he's, again, he's just listing a lot of works of the flesh, but I believe idolatry can cause that too. But let's continue on. Hatred, contentions, jealousies. Obviously, these things cause problems in relationships, right? Contentions, hatred, jealousy. Probably the number one cause of relationship problems among teenage girls. Amen? No offense, teenage girls. I'm sure it's not you, but it's her. <laughs> um, but look what it says. Look what he says next. Outbursts of wrath. Probably the number one cause of relationship problems among teenage boys. And maybe grown men. Look at the next one. Selfish ambitions. These acting in the flesh, letting our outbursts of wrath, pursuing uh, what we want instead of what's best for the others, those things cause relationship problems. Dissensions, heresies, envy, all of these things cause cause relationship problems. And where do they come from? They come from acting in the flesh. Murders. I think that probably causes some relationship problems. Amen? Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, the reality is, this is a, Paul's issuing a dangerous warning here. Some of you may say, but pastor, whoa, 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 whoa. What Paul's saying here is, if, if I do those things, then maybe I'm not saved. Well, listen, let me just say this. All of us from time to time, even though we try not, act in the flesh when we should be walking in the Spirit. Amen? And so all of us from time to time do things that cause problems in relationships. We need to repent of that as soon as God brings that and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, and we need to confess that to him and get right in those relationships. What he's saying here is, he's saying those who practice such things, that word speaks of a continual action. So if these things are not something that, man, I slipped up and I got angry at my wife. Yes, you, that's wrong. You need to confess it, but that doesn't mean you're not saved. Listen, but if that is a characteristic of you, then you need to ask, is Jesus in control of my life? It may be that you're just... You just got in the flesh instead of the spirit in the moment. 
But it may be something deeper that you need to examine. But the reality is, friends, do you want to fix your relationship problems? Then stop acting in the flesh. Stop acting on impulse. Stop doing the first thing that comes to your mind. Stop being selfish. Stop having no restraint. Stop letting your flesh be in control. Now, you may be saying, Pastor, that's easier said than done, to which I say, amen. You say, Pastor, you just told us that we all have a tendency towards acting that way. Yep, that's right. To say stop acting in the flesh is a little bit like saying to a fish, uh, stop swimming, or to a snake, stop slithering, or to a cat, stop licking yourself, <laughs> right? Um, it is... It is um, inherent in our nature. That's why number four is so important. How then do we stop acting in the flesh? Let me give you a key here is you can't on your own. You can't on your own. That's all human beings, that's all we know how to do unless we surrender our heart and our life to Jesus. And once we do that, Number four is the Holy Spirit can make you, and now I feel I say a good friend, okay? The Holy Spirit can make you a good friend, but you can substitute in there whatever you want to do, okay? The Holy Spirit can make you a good husband. The Holy Spirit can make you a good wife. The Holy Spirit can make you a good son or daughter or, 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 or father or mother. The Holy Spirit can make you a good coworker. The Holy Spirit can make you a good friend. Um. The first thing we need to do is we need to admit that we're not. Admit that we act in the flesh. Admit that, that we are the problem and that we want to turn from that and turn to Christ. That we want to start submitting to the Spirit of God and to His control and not just allow our flesh to be in control. Um, I want you to look back at verse 16. We've already looked at this once, but I want you to look at verse 16 again. Because here he gives us the how-to. Says, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do, we, how do we keep from acting in the flesh? What do we do? What's the answer to stop acting in the flesh? It's to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Walking in the Spirit, friends, is a euphemism for talking about how we live our life. It is a euphemism simply that means to let the Spirit of God lead us. We should be led by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, so if that is true, if we are walking in the Spirit, verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So remember, he's been talking about law and grace and talking about that we don't need to impose laws back on the grace that we have in Jesus Christ, right? And so he says here, how then do we counter that? We counter that by what? Walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. And if we are led by the Spirit of God, we're not under law, but we are under what? Grace. We are under grace. If we're saved, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, then he is leading us, and we need to listen to him. And we're not under law anymore. We are under grace. And the, 
the, the, the law of the spirit of life that comes in Christ Jesus is that the spirit of God is there to lead us and guide us. And I don't have to remember the Ten Commandments and every day check them off. Did I do this? But if I'm listening to the spirit of God and I'm loving others, remember all the law and the prophets is fulfilled in this one word. Paul says, Jesus says, and it is what? It is love. If we will love others, then guess what? we will automatically fulfill all the rest of the law and the prophets if we will truly love others. And if we are love others, if we are led by the Spirit, we're not under law, we're under grace. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 um, tells us uh, what the truth about us is if we're allowing the Spirit of God to lead us. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Right? We've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We believe that what he did on the cross paid the penalty for our sins and that he rose from the grave to prove that he was who he said he was and to give us new life. And we put our faith and trust in that. Then when I step into eternity, I know that Jesus has me. Amen? And then I know that there's no condemnation. There's no judgment for me because Jesus took that condemnation and Jesus took that, uh, that judgment on the cross. But it's interesting here what Paul says in the second part of this verse here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I believe this is really, um, Paul's not adding something to salvation. He's not doing anything like that. He's simply describing here and in Galatians chapter 5 um, salvation in a little bit different terms. We talk about it as repentance, right? That we need to repent of our sin and we need to realize that I, I've tried doing life my way and that's not going to get me anywhere and I've sinned against God and so I turn from my sin, turn from doing life my way and I turn, repent, 180 degree turn and trust Christ as my Savior and put Him on the throne of my life. Amen? In the similar type way, I am not going to walk according to the flesh anymore. The flesh has who in control? Me. The flesh has me in control. So I turn from walking in the flesh, and now because Jesus is on the throne of my life, I'm going to walk in the Spirit, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that comes to live inside of me when I get saved. And when I do that, the Holy Spirit of God regenerates me, changes my heart, he makes me saved, born again, and now I'm a child of his. And then he begins to do a work in me and on my character that I could have never done myself. Look at verse 22. How do we know then? How do we know if we're walking in the spirit or if we're still walking in the flesh? Verse 22 tells us. Verse 19, 20, and 21 tells us if we're walking in the flesh, right? It's all of those things that we just talked about. If we, those things are characteristic of our life, we're walking in the flesh. How do we know if we're walking in the Spirit? He says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit. Um, what is fruit? Fruit is what is produced from a plant or a tree, right? When it is healthy. So the fruit of the Spirit. What is produced in our lives when we are a healthy Christian Walking in the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Did I leave any out? 
Against such there is no law. So when we are walking in the Spirit, what are we going to do? We're going to love others. Amen? We're going to have a joy in our lives that's contagious in our relationships. We're going to have a peace. Peace with God, yes, first and foremost, but we're also a peace with God will lead us to want to have a peace with other people. I found very few people that like to have contention in their life. There are some, but very few. Um, Long-suffering or patience, a patience towards others. In other words, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm going to be patient towards others in my relationships. Amen? Kindness. If I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to be kind to others. Goodness. If I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to be good towards others. Faithfulness, I'm going to be faithful in my relationships. Gentleness or meekness. In other words, if I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm letting the Spirit of God have control in my life, then my relationships are going to be characterized by gentleness and meekness, not brashness, harshness, or uh, 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 vengeance. That is not characteristic of the Spirit of God ever. Self-control. Man, do we need that. Amen? Um, If I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to control me. Self-control, I like the word spirit-controlled. Because when I try to control myself, I don't do a very good job of it. But when I let the Spirit control me, He does a lot better job. But here's what that means. It means listening to the Spirit of God. In the moment, in the heat of the moment, when your boss comes in and blesses you out for something, maybe it was something you did, maybe it's something that person on the other cubicle did. And you want to tell him and give him what's coming to him. Under your breath, just say, Spirit, lead me. (laughs) When your husband, ladies, comes in and he's had a bad day and he takes it out on you and you don't deserve it. Guys, when you come walking in the door and those kids have driven her up the wall and she's had it. Spirit, control me. Whatever the situation may be. Friends, I'd say a person who is described like this, if, if, if you don't want to be a friend with that person, right? Somebody who is loving, joy filled, who is, is characterized by peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control, I'd say that'd make a pretty good friend. Amen? Ladies, I'd say that'd make a pretty good husband, wouldn't you? Guys, I'd say I'd make a pretty good wife, amen? Make a pretty good coworker, right? So, friends, um, good relationships don't start with the other person. They don't start with us being able to click with somebody. They start with us, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to give us a sweet, sweet spirit.
Men, I know that's probably not the way you'd like for somebody else to describe you. Okay? We like to have a tough attitude on the outside. How about, guys, a quiet confidence? A quiet confidence that comes knowing that the Spirit of God is in control of your life. And you don't have to prove your masculinity. You don't have to prove your, what is it, machismo, machismo, how do you pronounce this? You know, machismo, right? You don't have to prove that, that macho-ness. But the Spirit of God is in control. So let me ask you this. In fact, um, you know what? I had not planned this, but we're going to make that our memory verse for this series. But the fruit of the Spirit, say it with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Friends, let me just ask you. Are you characterized by these things in your relationships? Look at verse 24. Verse 24, Paul writes, he says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, um, what that, that Paul is saying, we've died to self, we've crucified those things. Now, does that mean that we're not going to mess up from time to time, yeah, we may do that, but we are crucifying those things. They are dead to us. That acting in the flesh is dead to us. We're not going to do that anymore. We're giving God control of those areas of our lives. So, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I believe what he's saying here is then if you're saved and you have the Spirit of God inside of you, then walk in Him. Walk in Him. Stop acting according to the flesh. Verse 26, if we don't understand he's talking about relationships here, this doesn't make sense, but it does. Verse 20 says, let us not become conceited. (laughs) Don't get puffed up. Doesn't apply to me. (laughs) What are you talking about, Pastor? Let's not become conceited, provoking one another. Can I just say something? Um, God, I don't know, God always seems to do this to me. Um, I don't know if other pastors are like this, but God always tests me in what I'm preaching on, <laughs> always, in some way, shape, or form. And I was tested last night. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Friends, good relationships begin with us. They begin with us, letting the Spirit of God control us, letting the Spirit of God lead us and produce His fruit in our lives so that we can become the type of friends where good relationships not only begin with us, friends, but they thrive with us. Amen? Let us be characterized by that. I want to close with this. It's a story by by an author by the name of Leonard Sweet. In a book several years ago, he illustrates the truth we've been talking about um, in, a, I believe, a very powerful way. I want you to listen to what he writes. He said, a few years ago, Tom Wiles, chap- chaplain at Grand Canyon University, picked me up at the Phoenix airport in his new Ford pickup and whisked me away to speak at a leadership conference at the university. 
He said, since I was still mourning the trade-in of my Dodge truck, we immediately bonded. Sharing truck stories and laughing at the bumper sticker truism, nothing is more beautiful than a man and his truck. Can I get a witness? Some of you guys say amen. He said, as I climbed into Tom's 2002 Ford Ranger for the ride back to the airport a day later, I noticed two big scrapes on the passenger door. He said, Tom, what happened here? Tom responded, he said, my, my neighbor's basketball goal fell and left those dents and scrapes and scratches on my, on my door. He had that downcast tone in his voice. Leonard responded, he said, you're kidding. How awful. This truck is so new. I can smell it. I can't believe that happened to you. Tom continued, he said, what's even worse is that my neighbor doesn't even feel responsible for the damage. He said, rising to my newfound friend's defense, I said, did you contact your insurance company? How are you going to get him to pay for it? To which Tom paused for a moment and then responded. He said, this has been a real spiritual journey for me. He said, after a lot of soul searching and discussions with my wife about potentially hiring an attorney, it came down to this. He said, I decided that I can either be right or I can be in a good relationship with my neighbor. Since my neighbor will probably be with me longer than my truck, he said, I decided that I'd rather be in a good relationship with my neighbor than be right. Besides, he said, trucks are meant to be banged up anyway, aren't they? So I got mine initiated into the real world a bit earlier than I expected. Friends, Tom Wiles found out that good relationships begin with us. They begin with how we treat others. And they are often developed by choice, by choosing not to act in the flesh, but instead being, choosing to be led by the Spirit of God and allow His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to characterize our lives. Where are you? Are you a good friend? Are you a good husband, guys? Ladies, are you a good wife? Are you a good son or daughter? Are you a good mother or father? Are you a good sibling? Are you a good coworker? Friend, do your relationships honor the Lord? And if not, how do you need to start letting the Spirit of God lead you today? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you admitting and acknowledging the many, 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 many mistakes that we have made in our relationships. Lord, we've acted in the flesh way too many times than we'd like to admit. And many times that has caused problems. Some temporary some permanent in our relationships. So, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. 
Lord, we ask you to do a work in us, to change us and transform us by your Spirit. We ask that you would allow your Spirit to speak loud and clear to us when we need spoken to. That we would honor you in our relationships. That we would be intentional about demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit in our relationships and not acting in the flesh. Forgive us. Lord, help us to go and ask forgiveness of those others that we have offended and to right the wrongs that we have done. You are our King and you are our God. Lord, for those who are here today or watching online who've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today that they would. Friend, if you're watching, if you're listening, would you today say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I need your spirit to lead me and guide me. Would you do that today? It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.